Welcome to the Sport Mind podcast series, where I sit down with world-leading guests and unlock the secrets to mental strength in sports. Today, before you dive into the episode, I have something special for all listeners. Are you struggling with self-doubt, overwhelmed by performance anxiety, battling inconsistency, or facing fear of failure in your sport? Are you looking to overcome these obstacles and conquer the mental game? Well, I've got just the toolkit for you. An ebook I wrote called Overcoming the Top 10 Mental Obstacles in Sport, which you can get today completely free of charge. This comprehensive ebook is a treasure trove of practical and actionable strategies tailored for athletes who want to unblock the most common mental obstacles. Each chapter offers digestible advice, providing immediate tools you can apply to enhance your mental game. Readers have been raving about the insights and the transformations they've experienced with this guide. Teresa from California emailed recently saying, your guide is brilliantly helpful. I've just been getting into it and I'm truly excited to use it to help with the obstacles I face regularly. I wrote this ebook to be concise, punchy, and most importantly, practical for immediate application. And the best part, it's completely free, a token of your commitment to your mental and athletic growth. So click on the link in the show notes right now to grab your copy of Overcoming the Top 10 Mental Obstacles in Sport, or simply visit the SportMind Hub by Googling SportMind Hub. Equip yourself today with the knowledge and tools to face those mental challenges head on. Now, let's jump into today's episode and get ready to elevate your mental game to the next level. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and welcome to your next episode of the podcast series. Today, I'm absolutely thrilled to introduce my next guest, Dr. Nairi Dodarian. Dr. Dodarian is a renowned sports nutritionist currently serving as the sports nutritionist for prestigious teams such as the Philadelphia Flyers in the NHL, the Philadelphia Union in the MLS, USA Field Hockey, and USA Squash, among others. She has also worked with Team USA at various international events, including the World University Games and the Pan American Games. In addition to her impressive work with professional athletes, Dr. Dodarian is an assistant clinical professor and the director of the Center for Nutrition and Performance, CNP, at Drexel University. Her research projects focus on athlete knowledge and behavior change, resting metabolic rate, and workplace wellness programs centered around nutrition. She has been recognized for her expertise and has been featured in publications such as the Philadelphia Inquirer, CBS Philly, Prevention Magazine, and Women's Health Magazine. Dr. Dodarian's dedication to improving athletic performance through nutrition led her to develop Dragon Gels, an in-sport fuel exclusively used by the teams she supports. These gels are formulated, packaged, and distributed through the Metabolic Kitchen at Drexel University. During our captivating conversation, we delved into a wide range of topics with Dr. Dodarian. She provided us with a compelling introduction to her work, emphasizing the crucial role of nutrition in optimizing sporting performances. We explored the fundamental starting points for beginners aiming to improve their sports nutrition while dispelling common misconceptions. We even delved into the influence of alcohol and the intricate mind-body connection. Dr. Dardarian shared invaluable guidance on maintaining training and performance consistency throughout sound eating habits. She also enlightened us about the impactful Share a Meal initiative and podcast she is currently running. To conclude our enlightening discussion, Dr. Dodarian graciously imparted her top four tips and takeaways, empowering the listeners to implement practical insights that can elevate your nutrition and enhance your performance. Prepare to be absorbed by the abundance of knowledge Dr. Nairi Dodarian brings to the forefront. 
Stay connected with her work across various media platforms and see them in the show notes attached. She is well worth following with all her incredible work and initiatives she is doing right now. Without further ado, let us plunge into the conversation and extend a warm welcome to the exceptional Dr. Nairi Dardarian. Dr. Nairi Dardarian, welcome to the next episode of the podcast. It's really tough to have you here. I know I was on your show a few weeks back, so really thank you for playing the favor back to me. Um, listen, always a good place to kick off. Uh, do you want to give a little brief intro to yourself and the current work you are doing? Yeah, absolutely. Jesse, we had such a great time on my podcast. I'm actually honored to be here on yours as well. So a little bit of background about myself, my career. I am a sports nutritionist. I'm board certified in that. And I do hold a doctorate in, in global sports leadership. So I try to combine sports nutrition, but make it even you know greater than that. So I, I do work at a university. I'm faculty as a, as a professor. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, I've run the Center for Nutrition and Performance. And through there, we work with sports teams, professional sports teams. So some of the ones that I have worked with are like the Philadelphia Flyers. They're a hockey team, the Philadelphia Union. The, they're um, an MLS major league soccer team in the United States. Mm -hmm. I work with the U.S. squash, which is how we kind of connected here, and also USA field hockey. So Fantastic. You know, I dabble in all of these different places and have a system set up where I also take students and fellows and use them to go into the day-to-day -day of these places. And what they get in return is an experience that is so hard to get into this little niche of mm. nutrition. Amazing. And listen, you, you've definitely um, undersold yourself because you are one of the busiest people I know. You have got so many plates spinning and it's incredible. Like anyone that follows your work and, and what you're doing, it, it, is, it is, is amazing what you're doing. You, you said something there. I just want to unpack it. Um, global sports something? What did you say there? I just want to understand that a little bit more. Oh, yes. Yeah. So because my my undergraduate, my graduate degree were all in nutrition and then mm -hmm. I was certified in sports nutrition, I really felt as though I'm in this world of sports and I don't have no training in, okay. in sports. So I got my doctorate in global sports leadership because that's really what I'm involved in. And that's what I mostly love is mm -hmm. the the fact that sports are played across the world and, and it's just a great communicative device. No matter where you go, you can talk sports in the mm. world. And my my plan really is to go global with providing sports nutritionists under me and students in any sport in any country with a resource through Drexel where these where you can come back and have all of this information at your fingertips so sports nutritionists typically they're like lone soldiers in a in an environment on a sports team with not really a team to talk mm. to or you know go back and run things by and like what are you doing what do you think about this so having this vision of mine where i kind of house all these amazing sports nutritionists when they enter into that team that they're working for, it's seamless. They wear that team gear. They fit right in. But what I'm able to provide them is with the education pieces, the things that we've already created. So no one's starting at nothing. Mm -hmm. And you have this group of amazing resources to go back to and ask these questions. Have you ever given vitamin D after this? How do you give it? What's your favorite brand? How do you 
uh, what's the nutrition education that you put out behind it? Well, this is all done. We've been there. We've done that. So it just, it, it's a deeper network, deeper connection, and it allows the nutritionist to have a deeper connection because sometimes they feel alone, you know, mm. in this environment. I love that global sports leadership. So you're basically creating this like community to, to, to kind of everyone working from the same hymn sheet. And what part of the process are you in, in regard to that now? Well, it, it, I have now acquired another sports team in Miami. So that is kind of my, my first like real dabble in this providing the support for the nutritionist who is there on site, but connecting that nutritionist with the sports nutrition fellow I have at the Philadelphia Union. And it's just creating this network for them that I hope that they can take with them forever and and, and stay with. Like even if they move on to another place, this is a group that I hope will always stay connected. Fantastic. Well, I look forward to seeing that journey. That sounds incredible. I'm hoping to to move overseas soon so if you have any suggestions wow. um, <laughs> okay where have you thought about when the globe overseas is for you i mean i really think that england is a nice next place i think that the the you know football league there mm. is a good place to kind of start or you know we'll see what happens yeah. i'm putting it out there in the universe Wicked. I love it. Premier League. Yes. I, I Again, not too much of a name drop, but there's um, someone in Chelsea Football Club I'm quite close friends with, and uh, he's been on the podcast before. So yeah, some, some, and I don't support Chelsea. I'm, I'm Liverpool. I'm up north. So I'm Liverpool too. Are you? I'm there a we go. Supporter. I've been there. I met the nutritionist Did there. I'm, I'm really fond of all of it, but heck, you know, I'll go anywhere. Wicked. Well, I, I'm going up to Liverpool tomorrow of all things. So I'll, yeah. Are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who are they playing? Uh, I'm not watching the match tomorrow. No, I'm, I'm just going out for a quick visit. I can't right. remember they're playing this weekend, but there's only three matches to go in the Premier League. And right. as you know, yeah. they're not doing that well this season, but Man, yeah, Man City yeah. are just crushing you know, it again. Mm. You, yeah, you, it, it, it's ebb and flow. It is, it is. And and again, I'm, I'm not sure how, I'm not going slightly off topic here, but in the States, uh, there's the manager merry-go-round in the UK. If you lose like three matches in a row, you're, like, you're almost fired. It's crazy. I don't think, it's not like that in professional sports in the it, States, is it as much? It's, Okay, not like there. Mm. I mean, that's serious. It's like these, these places, they don't mess around. It's like no. you lose a match, you're you're already on the chopping block. Like that, that's it. But we did just have that here actually mm. happen in Philadelphia. The 76ers, which is our uh, NBA team, uh, they went to the second round of finals and lost in the fourth, fifth game. Hmm. No, maybe the seventh game. Anyway, whatever they they. They lost, and it and it was very obvious that the team just did not look prepared to be at this level of play. And the next day, coach is out. Yeah, brutal, isn't it? Imagine that, being in that industry; it'd be so oh, hard. <laughs> and and then you just need to pick up your family and move to an entirely new town to start over again. Yeah. Yo, yeah. Anyway. I wouldn't want that. Okay, no. okay. Moving on. Nutrition. <laughs> let's go. Cool. Well, let me let me. I suppose ask you a pretty direct question. Why nutrition? Why, where's the passion come from? And talk about your journey getting it because you did share that you became a doctor slightly later on, which which uh, it sounds like you really appreciate that appreciated that as well. So yeah, yeah, why nutrition for you? Well, nutrition I went into from the start really because 
nothing else was resonating with me when I was in school. I did not go to school to learn nutrition. I went to school. I went to university and I thought, what the heck am I even doing here? I'm not prepared for this. And it really came down to like a moment where I had to make a decision or I was going to be wasting my time here. Mm -hmm. So I went through the book over and over. And the only thing that kept talking to me is nutrition, nutrition. And I thought, what am I going to do with this? Like, is this really a career? And then my grandfather told me, you should always get a job that has a title that you look for. And well, back then it was, you look in the newspaper for job postings, not, mm, not, not anymore. Not LinkedIn. So, not any, but yeah. what I did is I pulled out the newspaper and I started looking. So, you know, he was basically like, don't go into business. Everybody can do business. You know, if you choose business as a major, what do you look for when you're in that, in those pages? And so like, of course, engineering pops up. And uh, so there are all these different titles. Mm -hmm. And then it said nutritionist at the hospital. And I thought, you know, okay, that's where I'm going to go. So that's how I started out. I like passionate about food, but saw that it, it kind of hit what my family was teaching me to look for. So I knew what I was, I had a career and that's how it kind of started. And then it just went deeper and deeper. I mean, I started out in working in nursing homes, working in hospitals, I worked in food service for a really long time. I took this job as director of food services of a hospital. It was a 500 bed hospital and it was overwhelming what I was doing, but (laughs) believe it or not, that is the job that prepared me the most for being a sports nutritionist. How so? No, No doubt about it because it taught me things about ordering food and traveling with food and working with the chefs that, that really put me in the place to be able to talk the talk that I talk now. Yeah. Mm, interesting. Otherwise I was all clinical. Yeah. Yeah. Love that. What a cool little connection. And yeah, shout out to the granddad. Yeah. Eh? I love that. Really cool. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> <laughs> so um, let's get a little bit more into the weeds now. And, um, okay. you know, I always like to kind of ask this with experts in their field, you know, what, what's your elevator pitch for someone who should maybe pay attention to their intake when it comes to the sporting performances? Okay, that, that's that's a really great question. And and here's here's how I look at it. Nutrition is the cheapest, the easiest way to improve your performance by 3%. It would be a shame to waste your time and money on things like all these therapies, I'm not even going to just name just one because there are so many things that are out there that you're investing so much time and so much money into that have a lesser or even maybe no reward, which you don't really know. We know nutrition has a reward. I know it's cheap and I know that everybody can do it. And if you don't build that foundation, if you don't have that, which I I call this, everyone else is in this flip pyramid. But the bottom of the pyramid is nutrition and you cannot improve physically, mentally, uh, emotionally if you are not providing your body with those basic nutrients to be able to get to that next level. 
Really well said. I like that. And, you know, you, you, when we spoke last, when I was on your show, you really said something that hit me, you know, I, I love, not necessarily love, but the sub like the athletic greens and all these other really good, powerful things, I believe. But, and again, I'd like for you to repeat that, but something along the lines of, you said, it doesn't really matter if what those are doing, you need to get your basics right, don't you? So how would you kind of speak to someone when they say, hey, listen, I'm taking these athletic greens, I'm doing cold showers, I'm doing all these other things, but the nutrition has been parked to the side. What's your what's your statement there? That's it. So here's the thing, like, I'm just going to cut this down to like the, the bottom basics of this. Like, and I just want everyone to look at this so simply. It's like, it's like you put the best, um, I don't know, sound system, the best mirrors, the lighting, like you got the best engine in the car and then you go and you buy like 87 octane to put into the car. So you're, you're, then it all starts like making these noises and dinging and you don't know why, like nothing is working in your car. This fantastic, amazing bling bling automobile that you have, but you're feeding it shit. So like, that's what's going to happen. It's going to break down faster. You're not going to get what you want out of it. It's full potential, you know, and, and that's how you need to look at your body. You need a certain amount of energy every single day. That's calories. Okay. It really comes down to calories. There's a certain amount of calories that you need every single day. Athletes need more, a lot to the point that it's exhaustive. It is almost hard for athletes to eat as much as they need to be eating every day. Mm-hmm. So the body says, well, you're not really taking care of me. You're not putting in all the nutrients that I need. So you're not going to really feel what I'm doing to you quite yet. But I'm starting to break you down because if I need calcium and you're not putting enough products that have calcium in me, milk, uh, dairy, whatever, then I'm, I have a great resource and it's called your own bones. So I'm going to start leaching calcium out of your own bones. You don't feel it now, but in 10 years from now, when you have osteomyelitis or osteoporosis and you are wondering why, why you had that ankle fracture and somebody else didn't on the team, well, that was me, your body stealing Mm -hmm. from your calcium. You want to build more muscle. You're not eating enough calories. You still need calories. You're not building. You can work all day. I'll let you be able to lift the amount of weight that you want to lift, but I'm not going to make you look any bulkier. In fact, I'm just going to let you look thin and shriveled still because I don't have the nutrients to provide you to build that muscle. I, If you don't provide enough energy to fuel your brain, you're still going to function. You're still going to speak well. But when it comes down to those little decisions, little fast breaks, minute decisions, which direction should I go? I'm going to mess you up there. So it's like these little breakdowns that you don't really see. So you don't really have someone to blame it on. You can't say this was my nutrition, but it is. And that's Mm -hmm. why just even providing that those calories every day makes a huge impact on overall performance and longevity of performance, injury prevention. 
Brilliantly said. I, I love that analogy as well about the the kind of the blingy car with the, the cheap fuel. And and then the second thing you did, which I think I, we want to talk about in, in a little while. Um, I know we spoke about this on, on your show, kind of the psychological effect, the kind of the long-termism as in understanding that, yeah, the immediacy of a bad meal right now doesn't really show up right now, but you know, human nature sometimes doesn't look that far into the future. And it's, it's kind of, we, we quite reactive and impulsive in that moment. Yeah. yeah. Really cool stuff. So let's kind of go back a step or two. So for someone starting out, let's, let's, you know, I know some of the listeners here, you know, they, they might be like really high level athletes, parents, teens, nutrition for them. They probably aware that it's kind of good and we know we should pay attention to it, but they might not know where to start. So if someone's starting out to improve their sports performance, what advice can you give with this? What do you think? What would you do? Would Come, I tell do? me a little bit about what, what you do and what you think is like the, the way you should go about this. Again, mine's changed quite a lot recently, I suppose. Again, I'm obviously I'm not an athlete anymore. You know, I'll give you what I, I used to do, I suppose. And maybe this is the advice I probably okay. still give people. Yeah. Obviously, the carbs and getting the right amount of carbs in per day and, you know, not necessarily carbo loading because I know that's not a thing anymore, but it's going, okay you know, you've got these big training blocks coming up, you know, you've got some, you know, you're going to be expending that energy. Are you inputting the right amount of carbs, protein, you know, and maybe the dairy products and the milk, obviously kind of talking about fruit and veg. That's how basic I am. So I'm literally the biggest student here. You know, when I, this is going back 15, 20 years when I was competing nutrition, you know what, it literally wasn't even really spoken about it. Even in the academy I was in yeah. very minimal, you know, no one came to speak to us about it. It was like, okay, well, we're going to have some chicken at lunch, but that's kind of about it really. And we just had to go buy it ourselves. Um, yeah. So again, I don't know if I'm close, far off, you're going to help correct me here. Yeah. So what, what you hit is you need to have enough carbs, no doubt about it. And you need to have, because carbohydrates are the main energy source, you need to have enough calories because if you have enough carbs, but not enough calories, then you, you can't even use those carbs sufficiently. You need all those nutrients that come from the, the foods that you describe, the dairy products, the fruits, the vegetables, the proteins, you need all of that. But the biggest, the, the hardest part of that is like, everybody knows that, yes. right? You know that, but how do you do it? And how do you know it's enough? Like, how do you like, are you going to go around with a carb counter? Like, what are you going to do? And how do you know that's the right amount for you? So you start somewhere and the easiest place to start, I'm not going to even use the word easy because nutrition mm. is not easy. It's actually, it's hard and it takes planning, mm -hmm. but you need to be able to put that into that because so is training is hard and it takes planning. Everything is hard and it takes planning. Nutrition is not the shortcut. It still is hard and it takes planning. You have to eat as an athlete, four meals a day and two snacks. I call it four meals because the last meal of the day, which is the nighttime snack is not miniature. It should be the size of a meal. Hmm. Okay. So you have, I don't even call it really anymore breakfast, lunch, dinner, because I just call it meal one, two, three, four. Because if you're traveling and you arrive somewhere at a different time zone, you don't have to necessarily start off with breakfast. So the goal is four meals a day, two snacks. So the snacks, they plank training. So you have a pre-training snack and a post-training snack. And it's routine. You stick to it. It's things that you can easily get. And then you have four meals a day. And the last meal is about an hour before you go to bed because that provides you with the nutrients that you need while you're sleeping 
to replenish muscle, to decrease, um, uh, you know, any type of, uh, let's say, pain that is mm -hmm. associated with muscle to put you in the best place the next day to be able to, again, train at your highest level. And this is done every single day. I do not ever start talking with somebody when I and start with what do I do on game day? Mm -hmm. Wait, mm, it's too yep, late. Yep, yep, totally. And that's that's very much common. What I get asked about mental toughness and psychology, going right. I want to be really focused on game day. I want to really concentrate, and I want to get. I'm like, okay, well, let's just look at the last six weeks. What what have you been doing with? I call it your drops in your bucket. What little drops have you been putting in your buckets that actually make your water level rise? That actually, when it comes to match day it's the amount of drops in that bucket over the six weeks is yeah. not what happens on the day. It's not what happens on the day. And especially mm. with, with training and nutrition, you're training every single day. So if you want to maximize what you're getting out of your training, then you have to, you, you have to every day provide the fuel to be able to train at your highest level, which will then make you perform at your highest level on that match day. Mm. Okay, so let me run this past you because that's a super helpful, really interesting, the four meals and the two snacks. Um, I know I'll just talk from a squash context, but maybe this happens with other sports. Very often there's two training sessions. So let's say like between 10 and 12 a.m. there's a training session. Then maybe between like 2.30 and 4.30 there might be another training session. Um, how does the four meals and two snacks fit in and around this? Could you just run that through with me? Because I know some listeners will probably be really keen to understand that. Yeah, so it... it that that's where it gets a little bit tricky sure. and I've worked with a lot of squash players and we've, we've kind of tried to get through this. Um, so if your first training session is close to your first meal, then you wouldn't add something in, let's say right before it. So it kind of looks like, let's just say, let's just use like a, a day that training starts at 10. Mm -hmm. So you would wake up, you would have breakfast We'll call it breakfast or meal one, you would go to training. After training, you would put snack one because after is when you need something recovery. And mm -hmm. there's a there's an equation that goes with that. It's something that is a three to one ratio of carbohydrate to protein and the protein should be around 15 grams. So if you have 15 grams of protein in something, then you want to have 45 grams of carbohydrate and that is the ideal. I like a bar. I think it's easy. You can travel with it. It it you it can stick it in your bag and you don't think about it. But there are other things. You can have a food that there too that is not a bar if that's not what you want, but it's convenient. And you have to pick the right bar. Like you have to read them. Mm. You have to look at them. Like some of these bars out there, they're called like keto bars. That is not a three to one ratio. That is not doing what the body needs it to do. So it would go breakfast or meal one, training, Snack one, which is a recovery snack. Mm -hmm. Lunch. Lunch. Maybe in this scenario, you would need to have a little bit of something before you start training session two, if it's at like two o'clock. Just like I just call it like a little pick-me-up right before you start. And it's a and it's a it's a carbohydrate only. So it's, it could be like a banana right before you get back on for training session two. And then after training session two, again, same thing. It's the recovery. It's mm -hmm. the it's the same ratio, three to one ratio, carbohydrates to, to protein, and it's convenient. Then you go into the evening, you have your meal three at home, then you have your meal four before you go to bed. So that, I mean, that's kind of like the best case scenario. Mm. 
So that's really interesting. So meal three and four can basically quite get getting quite late. So say an athlete is thinking about getting to bed between well nine thirty and ten o'clock. Meal four, we talk about maybe even nine o'clock for meal four, possibly. Absolutely. Really yep. Interesting. Yeah. Nine that's first yeah, meal four, mm. and I mean, and this is also supposed to be some so. We do want it to have protein again. We want there to be fluid. We know that there are certain proteins that that work best during sleep. And one of those proteins is called casein and that's found in dairy products. So one of my favorite things to recommend at night before that sleep is something like um, a bowl of cereal because it has whole grains in it. You can put some fruit on it. It can be with milk. So you're getting all those qualities from the milk and the casein protein. Mm-hmm. Um, yogurt parfait like so uh, but but like some some people that I work with they want to they they want waffles or or some people don't want to eat something that's very heavy mm-hmm. so it actually might be like a drink like a hot chocolate with collagen powder in it so it, there are many different ways to insert that but you do want to have that before you go to bed mm. I, I don't know <laughs> I'm laughing because this this I'm convinced of this cereal tastes so much better in the afternoon and evening it's like like sometimes when you have cereal in the morning, I don't know no. if, is that's a thing it tastes it's like incredible a treat. it's like a, it's, it's a dessert it really yeah. is like a dessert later in the day I mean I I look at it as like my substitution for a bowl of cereal I mean a bowl of ice cream quite okay. frankly and it's cold and it just feels good and it's it, you know I don't even get like so, um, I don't know, like complicated, I guess I would say, or so picky about what the cereal is because even the worst cereal is probably better than some of the ice creams that are out there. So I, I actually say to like young, young athletes who do like all those they call sugary cereals, which if you look at the label are really not that much more sugary than the non sugary cereals, but you can mix it. Mm-hmm. So like I might mix like, you know, uh, I don't know. Give me a fruit. Give me a cereal that you like. What's a what's a sugary I'm, cereal that you like? Granola. Like? I like granola. And even though it's kind of classes, not lotion, but yeah, granola is kind of, I have that quite often. Okay. Granola. So then what would you, so I would, well, granola is considered, well, people look at it as it's healthy. Yeah. It's really loaded in it's fat. Is, I, would, yeah. I know. I would say mix that granola with something like um, Cheerios okay. so that you're bringing the fat content down total mm-hmm. and you still get the flavor of your granola instead of just a very large bowl of granola. I or like I would something like cinnamon toast crunch, which yep. I know a lot of people like with, with, with like, um, life cereal. So it's like, you know, you're, you're getting the fiber from the life cereal, but you're also getting that flavor from the cinnamon toast crunch. I love that. I think I'm going to try that. I like the little mix. That's really cool because yeah, I've I, got it. Yeah. yeah. I do a lot of mixes and another mix I like is fruity pebbles with rice krispies. Fruity pebbles. We don't have that in the UK. What's fruity you pebbles? Don't? No. Oh gosh. <laughs> are they are they as sugary as they sound? Oh, it's so bad. It's. I mean, it. it, it I, I don't like to use that word, but I mean, it really tastes so good. And okay. it's you have tricks. Tricks cereal. No, like, we don't. No. no. Mm. Well. Okay. For for anyone listening, that's the reason for that, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We shouldn't be eating that here. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, everyone, everyone listening can go have a quick Google on that. But that's really incredible advice. Thank you, um, Dr. Nairi. Um, so 
maybe just zooming into some common misconceptions when it comes to athletic nutrition. And I just want to pause there for a sec, because anyone listening, you know, there might be some retired athletes or, or parents going, oh, great, I'm going to do this for myself. Let's remember, this is for athletes, right? Like, you know, these four meals, two snacks, you know, people Absolutely. can maybe do the intermittent fasting and eat less calories, but actually we're just zooming into athletes, right? Yes, that's we where are, we're at. We are 100% focused on athletes. So, Yes, I know a lot of people do consider themselves athletes who are recreational athletes, and and, and that's wonderful. It, it's great. That's a different type of nutrition. Mm-hmm. It just is. It, it And so when I'm talking about athletes, I'm talking about the group that is training most of the time is um, traveling to, to tournaments or traveling to play, and the schedule is heavy on athleticism. It's not Mm -hmm. the person who works out one hour, maybe even two hours a day, but with a different purpose. And that purpose might be to be in shape, to look different, but that's not what we're talking about with the, with this, this athlete. Exactly. Yep. Good. And I just wanted to kind of clarify if anyone's thinking, guy, yeah, great advice for losing weight or this, we just, because these athletes are not about losing weight. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good. Not losing weight. So those common misconceptions, thoughts on that, you know, when we talk about this athletic nutrition, what what what, what do, you know, teen athletes or, or young pros that might not have access to a nutritionist and they're trying to do it themselves? What, what, what do you see commonly happen? Oh, well, here. All right. Biggest one. You need a lot of protein to build muscle. It's untrue. There's a certain amount of protein that you need and it's used and it does not go above two grams per kilogram of body weight, okay? So just do that quick calculation. Let's say you're 70 kilograms. That means that the maximum amount of protein that you need is about 140 grams a day. Wow, so let me much. break that mm. down for you. It's not a lot, mm. okay? That And that number doesn't shift a lot. Even if you are at, at the highest level bodybuilder, it still is in that zone. Whereas carbohydrate needs dramatically shift on your actual performance. So what what you need to focus on is your carbohydrates, not so much on your protein. So everyone's drinking these protein shakes or spending money on these protein shakes. You know, a protein shake has about 20 grams of protein, 25, 30 grams of protein in it per serving. Yeah, like so does half of a piece of chicken breast of a piece of chicken breast. Mm -hmm. So you can have half a chicken breast or that. And, you know, I would rather go with the food, the real food product. It doesn't have everything else that's mixed into it. And you're getting more nutrients that are found in meat products. So you, that are not going to be found in that supplement. Mm. And if you're consuming a supplement, you have to always make sure remember that you're at risk for consuming something that is, tampered with maybe a prohibited product and that that can interfere with drug testing and you know you can't say well i didn't know my protein powder had it in it Hmm. you're eliminated from that tournament if you have a bad blood drug test Mm, yeah yeah risk that that you don't really want to be taking but just with that little thread um just came into my mind here um 
vegetarian, even vegan athletes. Can we talk on that? Because that's a whole very interesting. We probably have okay, a whole well, podcast. That, on that's that a whole <laughs> whole conversation on its own. So mm-hmm. right now we're talking not in that zone because mm-hmm. yes, that 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 needs it's doable. Mm-hmm. It needs work. Like, why do I think a Premier League athlete can can so perfectly execute a vegan lifestyle because they have a chef that travels with them and makes that for them. It's not easy. Okay. It takes an incredible amount of planning. You have to prepare before you go anywhere. You have to map out where those restaurants are. You need to pack your bags full of food. It's doable. But when you hear premier league athlete is a vegan, just know that they don't have to put that extra mind power into doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Well said. And it is, it is, you probably look at their bank balance and you can probably kind of correlate to how much kind of outgoings they have to their personal chef based on living a vegan lifestyle. (laughs) They have personal chefs. Some of them have chefs that travel with them. Uh, Some of them, I mean, they don't have to travel very far, but they do. I mean, I, I, I work with a woman who owns the company who puts private chefs into the homes of Premier League players. So from three o'clock until eight o'clock at night, they get a snack when they go home from training, they get a dinner and they get a snack before they go to bed. And, and they just, they work with the nutritionist and they get the breakdown of the carbohydrates and the proteins that they need. And the chef executes it according to like what that person's desires are for food. And it's it's a beautiful blend because you should be eating what you want to eat. And now they get to get it in the right portion sizes and the right, you know, ratios of macronutrients, but they're not thinking about it. Like it's exactly. just there. Mm. Yeah. I have, I've always joked like, you know, when, you know, the whole conversation, if you win the lottery, what would you do? And it was like boat, yacht, house, travel. I'm like personal chef is number one people that goes top of my list. Cause the amount of thought, and if you obviously wanted to take it, you know, to, to a good level, and that's kind of, kind of a nice link of what I want to just maybe talk about now, you said something earlier, which I think is really important, you know, you say nutrition's hard. I, I completely agree. It's obviously it's the planning, it's the thought. So, any tips or or kind of wins we can give some of the listeners right now when it comes to that idea of mentally getting your head around the idea of going, yes, I'm going to look after myself. I'm going to I'm going to train properly and I'm going to take my nutrition seriously. So, talk probably get into the realm of habits here, aren't we? Okay, so um, I do want to just step back one one spot though because we were we were talking about misconceptions we were yes yep so we landed on the need for protein Mm -hmm. right the astronomical astronomical need for protein which is really like that's not where the focus should be i just want to like add two more things please sorry i did rush on that one that's okay that's okay (laughs) but i know because we get into like all this like dialogue and then i i know but i do because i feel like this is like important and people need to know these things Another one is um, supplements, that supplements are going to solve everything. So you just take the supplement and you don't have to worry about the food. But Mm. that's, again, we'll get to this again later. I think we've talked about that upside down pyramid. Supplements don't work well unless you have the basics already done. So you need that. You need to have the right amount of food. You need to have the right amount of energy. Then the tip of the iceberg, the icing on the cake, the cherry on the top is a supplement. Um, 
And then lastly, with nutrition is fad diets. Don't do a fad diet. It is, there's, there's nutrition is your lifestyle. It's not a diet. It's not temporary. It's the lifestyle. So it doesn't turn off on Saturdays for a cheat day. There's no such thing as cheat days. It's the silliest thing I've ever heard. It's like the only place where people allow the word cheat to be used as in nutrition. <laughs> I take offense to that. Yeah, like you yeah, can't yeah. cheat on your partner. No, no, no cheating there. You can't cheat on an exam in school. No, no, no cheating allowed there. But in nutrition, you can cheat on your banana. Not fair. Mm. It's not fair. So there's mm. no cheat days. Because if you if you learn how to live with food, then you don't have to cheat. Nobody is saying that you have to completely eliminate anything from your diet ever, ever. That's There's a place and a time to fit any food that you want into what you're eating. You just need to know how to manage it. Mm. That's really well said. And I love that that third point because because I've gone through those processes of like, right, no sugar. Like I'm just cutting sugar out of my life because I know it's bad in commas. But again, it's it's the amount of willpower it takes to keep going with that. And then I end up being quite miserable as well. And then it's a balance. And then yeah. yeah. So so on that, how would you how would you be able to, again, even for myself or someone who goes, yeah, listen, I've got that sweet tooth. Um, we could use sweet tooth or kind of like a bit of a carb addiction, whatever. Maybe that's the wrong word. Yeah. But you know, how does someone go, we realize we really love this thing of sugar, right? We know that when we open the door for sugar, we just keep going and going with it. How do you leverage that well in, in, in life and getting that balance that you talk about? Well, it's portions and it is fitting it in at the right time. So like what I would do is say, well, what's, what's your favorite thing, Jesse? What's your favorite sugary product that you need and can't live without? It's got to be biscuits. Like there's, there's, you know, biscuits with my cup of tea. I literally, I'm in such a bad, every time I had a cup of tea, I'd have four or five biscuits, right? And like, okay. I've gone cold turkey with that probably for about two years now. So, but anyway, biscuits is my one. I mean, so when I hear somebody say something like that to me, it, it makes me sad. Okay. Because it, it, food is meant for pleasure. Like food has a pleasure component to it. You love biscuits. I mean, are biscuits really the worst thing that are out there for you? <laughs> it's not. It's just not. You know what I'll tell you is truly labeled as something that's bad for you? Alcohol has a poison, toxic label on it. Why is that never on the list of things to eliminate from mm, an athlete? If true. you're going to talk about something that is going to be the have the biggest detriment on muscle protein synthesis, on well-being, on on psych psychological well-being next day it's a depressive for Christ's sake you know like why is that why is sugar why is a biscuit worse than alcohol it really makes no sense to me so i would say poor jesse have a biscuit plan it into your day put mm -hmm. biscuits a day like why do you need four or five i know why you need four or five because you think the next day you can't have it but if you know the next day you can have it, then you will be satisfied with two biscuits and you need to fit that into your day. So I would call that your, your afternoon carbohydrate snack. Like why, why not? Nice. I love that. That's really awesome. I'm, I just, I feel on it. Like I'm, I'm just receiving this great information. And anyone listening, hopefully they can hear this as well. Cause I think it's, because it's food and we need to love it and we need to learn how to live with it. Mm. So food, you brought up the word addiction. 
And I'm just going to try to like put this into a little bit of context here because people try to go cold turkey with food things. Mm -hmm. Number one, your body isn't physically addicted to food the way that it would become physically addicted to a certain type of drug. You know, like you can become physically addicted to painkillers, let's say, right? But really, you don't become physically addicted to, I'm pretty sure about this, but I'm just going to say like marijuana. You don't Mm -hmm. become physically, but you become dependent on it. So Mm -hmm. like with the food, you might become dependent on it, but it's not an addiction. And with, and I'll, I'll use nicotine, cigarettes. So with that addiction, what people do to break that habit is they go cold turkey. They stop. But that's because they can break that entire habit. With food, it's so confusing because you can't stop eating. You don't stop eating. You have to learn how to manage it. And so why not learn how to manage the portions? So Jesse, I want you to eat some biscuits. Put them in your cabinet. Have two a day. And in, and when you are doing it, enjoy it. Don't rush it. Don't be on the computer. Like pay attention. It has a huge impact on your appreciation, um, your level of fullness while you're having it, and and the satisfaction. Because think about the times when you have inhaled something and you forgot that you even ate it because it was so quickly done. So you know when you're eating that, give it the time that it you know needs to be tucked into the brain that you had it and you enjoyed it really well said thank you for that advice and that links into talking about your share meal initiative which i want to get onto as we kind of progress and i think i told you a story um when we spoke i don't know weeks and weeks ago uh when i went on a silent meditation retreat and you know we're having this incredible food and it was all vegetarian so not that i was scared of it but i'm very meat meat-based diet grow, growing up in africa but it was slow we we there was no talking but we sat with our food for ages and it tasted incredible and it was just there was just this whole you know in this canteen everyone's close to each other but we weren't obviously talking but it was just a, such a sacred experience and it just reminded me of that again so good advice that i'm going to go and take that um talking about alcohol i just want to pick up on that because that was really interesting i saw how passionate you got about that because yes (laughs) you know the the glass of wine at night the beer whatever um so where do you sit with alcohol is it like is that the one thing you say no alcohol whatsoever can you talk about alcohol in regard to nutrition then for for athletes i mean the ideal is no alcohol ever i mean Mm -hmm. well there's no need for it they're Truly, there's no nutritive value in alcohol. And so, yes, there are some of these studies that might say that red wine can help with heart disease. Guess what? I can find a lot of other things that can help better than with heart disease than, than red wine at night. So you don't need it. Now, if you want it, that's something different. So wanting it and needing it are two different things. So if you would like to have an occasional alcoholic drink, you know, you have to find that downtime in your training block to do it because it does. It interferes with your hydration. It interferes with your um, mental ability. It, it's, it is a depressive. So if you are already like, you know, feeling down about where you are or where your standings are, or how your training is, it's not going to make you feel better, maybe temporarily, but not the next day. 
and it, it inhibits muscle protein synthesis. So you won't be able to recover well the day. So if you are, if you are going to have alcohol after a hard training session and you are following it with a training session, you are going to put yourself at risk for injury and the dehydration that goes along with it will also put you at risk for injury. So I would just, you know, find those times where you don't have training on that day or training the following day to really fit alcohol into your life. Awesome. Thanks, thanks for talking about that. Cause I think, yeah, no, important little side note there, but so going back one or two little steps, um, habits of nutrition. So I was kind of getting to the, the kind of the idea of, yes, you said it's hard and you know, like, like how can we, obviously if somebody becomes too hard, there's a lot of friction and, and, you know, yes, there's a matter of willpower. We can get through it. Have you got any advice how to make it more frictionless in a way where we really taking care of your nutrition, but not where you're completely drained mentally with your willpower the whole time doing it? Yeah. So I think it comes down to always remembering that there's four meals a day in your two snacks. So if you can make those snacks portable and, you know, you routine like, then do it, like have those in your bag. So now you don't have to think about that. Your four meals, if you know what your nighttime meal is before you go to bed and you make that also a routine, then that eliminates the headache of what that would look like. Mm -hmm. And the only other one that I find that is, mm -hmm. that is difficult to initiate is um, breakfast. So if you can make sure that you have a breakfast routine, a bedtime routine and your snack routine in like in a, in a must do, you must do it every single day, then you are more than 50% there. So then lunch and dinner, they kind of just happen. So mm -hmm. I'm not worried about that. But at the bottom of it, really, Jesse, it's just making sure that you're getting that all in. Because once you're there, you're going to make better decisions. And once you're in the habit of eating all four of those meals, you are going to make good decisions because you're not going to be so hungry. You're not going to be so deprived that you have to like feel like you need the only thing that's going to satisfy you is a bacon double cheeseburger. You're going to get to the point that like, yeah, like you get four meals a day, like make the best of them. And if one of them is not a great decision, the next one will be. That's awesome. I love that. And it almost sounds like what you're saying there. Once you it's kind of, it starts fueling itself. The whole thing kind of, you got better decisions of making these four meals and then your brain's more fu fueled and then you've more clarity and thinking to make the next good decision. It's uh -huh. a lovely kind of domino effect, isn't it? It certainly is. It mm -hmm. certainly is. And once you start making that schedule of your eating, meal one, meal two, snack one, snack two, meal three, your life becomes a little bit more organized. And that organization also helps you get to the next level. So when you are looking at your day and you know that you have two training sessions and now you put in your snacks, like you are just organized and organization just makes you feel better and perform better. Couldn't agree more. The, the the spillover effect is one of the lessons I give a lot of people. Like how, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. That whole idea of like, you know, and it and it starts fueling itself. I think it's such a powerful force that. So wicked. Yeah. And then this kind of leads me on to my, my next little bit is, you know, the mind-body connection. Um, you know, we spoke about that when you interviewed me and and like we get into like the psychological realm here now. So in real simple terms, and again, just can be a high-level overview, good nutrition fueling the brain and then it makes us have better decisions. Can you talk on that? Can you help unpack that for us a little bit? 
Okay, so what I want you to think about here is how the brain functions, because the, the brain truly is the control center for your body. It controls your thoughts, it controls your movements, it controls your behaviors. When you deprive your brain, it's not going to function at the same level. So you need to make sure that you know you are getting all those nutrients in there because you're feeding your brain and the brain controls it all. And I don't know, it, it, there is just such a deep connection about even how you're feeling when you're feeding your, your brain. So it's that overall, like, you know, you know this more than I do, that that feeling of you know, success, the feeling that you're on the right track versus mm -hmm. the feeling that you're not. So, uh, but, but what I want to take out of this is a feeling of guilt because that's really not where I'm going. So the, the, what I'm, what I'm going is, is you have to pay attention to the mind body connection. You want to make sure that you're getting the right nutrients and every day does not have to be perfect. Perfect does not mean that you're going to be better. Per the perfect to me is actually that you make some mistakes and you get to have some of those foods that you want, because otherwise you fall into this trap of deprivation and then desire like your biscuits you know like there's no need to eliminate it there's a way to live with it and and so that and it makes you feel good mm -hmm. so why would you deprive yourself of that so i'm not saying the ideal is perfection the ideal is really finding what is ideal for you because you need to be happy. You need to go to family functions. You need to have Thanksgiving dinner or I know whatever, you know, like you, you don't want to start making food be the enemy in your day. Mm, that's awesomely said. And again, I couldn't agree more in, in regard to the psychological realm, you know, you probably work with a lot of perfectionists. I know I work with a lot of perfectionists, you know, sometimes the high level athletes are perfectionists and it's like, okay, we can aim for A plus, but you know, sometimes we've got to be satisfied with B minus. And that's a little lesson I give a lot of the athletes where sometimes if it's not A plus, it's nothing. It's like they haven't shown up. It's like it's A plus or nothing. And actually that's too binary. It's going, okay, there's a bit of a scale. Yeah, we can have the mindset of A plus, but actually a few times if you're hitting B minuses, embrace it, run with it. Because do you know what? Sometimes a lot of B minuses will be better than anyone else's A pluses. <laughs> Yep. C's get degrees. <laughs> hey, there we go. I've not heard that. C's get degrees. That's wicked. Cool. But that's um that that leads me Only very much. Doctorate. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, but that leads me beautifully onto um your share a meal initiative. Um, let's talk about that because it sounds like you know we talked about the mind body connection, enjoying things, removing this this feeling of guilt. So you know what? As a complete newbie, complete stranger to this, what is the share a meal initiative you are are getting behind? Okay, so share a meal. Share a meal is uh, my podcast, which anybody can go. You can you can just search share a meal wherever you look for podcasts, and this will come up. So share a meal is the concept that there is no dieting. It's taking the diet out of the your your vocabulary. It's a way of eating that let, leads you to live your healthiest, psychologically, emotionally, physically best life whether it be for performance in sport, whether it be to create create connections with people, it brings us all together by sharing a meal. And sharing a meal means, number one, let's say you were uh, one of the people who would like to lose weight. Share a meal could mean when you go out to dinner, you literally split the meal. So you're eating less. 
or share a meal is about the concept of eating together. And that's what's been missing from the world. We've gone into these cells of eating alone and eating quickly and not having connections. So it's really about building connection around meal. It can improve your connections personally with your family, eating family meals. We know the research that's out there on that. Professionally, inviting people out to lunch that you want to connect with. And so it just loosens those, you know, regulations that everyone puts on food and making it more of your day and an integral part of your day that you need to be your best. And, and that's what how I would like people to focus on food instead of eliminate food, hide from it, treat it like it's the enemy and instead embrace it the way that it was meant to be over all of these years. That's such a powerful message. And yeah, I'm really looking forward to following your journey with it. I'm not sure if you know this. And again, obviously don't feel you have to talk about this, but yes, like let's look back again, maybe not too long ago, you know, obviously before we had, you know, everything instantaneous, you know, ranging from Netflix to Spotify to the instant gratification of life, you know, maybe 60s, 70s, and even everything behind that point. Has there been any studies? I'm sure there has like this whole idea of, you know, the accelerated way we are eating now compared to what we used to. And again, even going back to like caveman days around the campfire and all that type of stuff. Um, are you aware of any studies or, or do you have any thoughts on that idea about how detrimental it is, the kind of the quick, you know, takeaway culture that we might live in a little bit now? Well, the, the studies are in mindfulness mm. and it really is. It, it, it's taking into consideration, you know, that the... Okay. Let's, let's, let's go back. When you would, when you bring up the cavemen, there is a process, an entire day process that goes into putting a meal together. And that process has now been eliminated and, and dropped down to driving through a drive-through and eating while you're in the car and then hiding that evidence because it's so bad for you, right? So no one has ever in life in the past hidden what they're eating, right? Unless they're hiding it from somebody so that they, they don't get it. But it was supposed to be a meal that you put effort into, that you sit around a table, that you enjoy, you have to watch the cooking. And so there, there is evidence about the mind to the gut relationship. It takes time for the gut to feel full. It has to feel a certain amount of pressure to send the messengers to the brain to say, you're full, like stop eating. That's, that does, it takes 20 minutes. So you can eat so much in 20 minutes that you didn't need to eat before that signal even reaches your brain. You know, I, 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 I ate at McDonald's for 30 days and I'm not gonna get really deep into this, but the one thing that I learned from this experience is everybody who goes there is, is not ashamed or embarrassed to go there. And in fact, there's a group of individuals that go inside and sit down and eat. Mm. And you know what? That brings me to like, it's not always what you're eating. It's the who, the when, the where. And so when you are eating at McDonald's and you order something that is, I'm not, you know, not way over what your estimated needs are. It can fit into your day and still keep you in that healthy track for the day. And you're sitting down and you're talking with someone, you're communicating and you're taking your time and you're enjoying that meal. You're going to get much more out of that than, than 
the alternative, which is just eating it mindlessly, feeling the guilt around it, like drop all of that. So those people who are eating in McDonald's, they taught me so much. They taught me that it, it, it isn't just about what, it's who you're with. It's, it's how you're doing it. It's, you know, there's so much more that goes into eating and we need to stop focusing on just these healthy foods and, and assuming that just because you're eating healthy foods, you're getting all the benefits out of eating because there's a whole lot more that surrounds it. That's incredible. I love that mindset shift. And, you know, it's the first time I've heard someone so eloquently put it that, that, you know, yeah, it's like maybe the, the food you're consuming, the environment's not as important. It's like the people you're with. It's, it's, that's such, and again, the mindfulness connection, you know, for me, my ears prick up straight away when I hear things like that, it's so powerful. So yes, I'm going to make a more concerted effort because yeah, very guilty sometimes going, yes, I've got this very productive day in front of me and I'm really excited by it. And actually the meals are getting in the way of my productivity, but maybe by rushing through the meals, I'm slowing myself down because I'm, I'm not doing the right things. Yeah. Take a break, either eat with somebody or when you are eating, put that 20 minutes into yourself. It's like meditation time. Listen to what you're eating, listen to the environment around you, pay attention and don't be on the phone. Like put the, put all of that, that down. Don't watch television, like focus. That's you time. Love it. I'm so going to do that because I'm so big on, again, personally, like journaling, meditating, slowing down, but I've never really attached it to my my food thing. So, you know, I'm, I'm here as a, as a student right now. Um, I really want you to do it. I will. I'm going to call you back on that one. Call <laughs> okay. me up on it. Yes. Accountability partner. There we go. I'll make yeah, sure. Yes. Accountability <laughs> partner. I like that. Awesome. Well, listen, we've covered some incredible ground. There's probably so much more I want to cover, but you know what? I want to also respect the time and the listener's time as well. Yeah, I think maybe a nice place to maybe start to wrap it up with a couple of questions here. Um, I'm always looking for, you know, the main takeaway messages, you know, we, we, you know, people can listen to this and they've got a few things, you know, so, you know, three to five main tips, it might not be that amount, but what, what, what would you like yeah. the listeners to take away from what we've spoken about today? Okay. So I think for a, uh, an athlete, I want them to take away that no food is restricted. It, there's a way to fit every food into your diet. So restriction restriction in any way is only harmful. Number two, the four meals a day and the two snacks start there. It's a great place to start because it starts putting everything into order. And if you can start, you start there, then you start to, you know, refine from there. And um, number three, don't fall for fad diets, you know, like stay out of that zone, stay with the zone of, eating is healthy. It's, it's, it's a, it's a good thing. You need mm -hmm. it. You can't survive without it. And it should be an integral part of your life, but it should be woven into your life. It, it shouldn't be something that like burdens your life. Mm. Yeah. Totally. Um, so well said. So anything else you look like, you build, have build, else the, build the bottom of your pyramid. You mm. cannot move up unless you build the bottom. So that means make sure that you are getting the right amount of calories, energy every single day. And it's not easy. And you don't, you know, you have to figure out how much you need. And you might have to talk to someone to figure that out. But if you cannot depend on anything that is flashy, unless you have built the bottom of your pyramid.
Mm, that's that's a powerful takeaway message. There's something I'm going to look at, build that bottom of that pyramid as well. Um, and just before I maybe ask you to give some signposts to where people can find you, I think you might have already said this, but what's um I always like to ask, what's exciting you next? Because you know, it sounds like there's some really cool things on your plate. You know, the share a meal podcast, oh, all that. What's what's yeah. really getting you? Share a meal is really exciting for me right now. So I'm really putting a lot of focus into share a meal and um and a, a book hopefully that's coming out with it. So okay. I'm putting a lot of energy there and my summer is going to be spent in this zone. So find share a meal, share a meal, just one word in podcast, anywhere that you find it and leave comments. I mean, I would love to hear what people have to say. I'm going to integrate those things into, into the book. Um, you know, I'm going on a trip with students to Ikaria, Greece, which is one of the blue zones. And so blue zones are really integrated into share meal. It's where people live to be a hundred um, healthfully, you know, mm. not a debilitating 100 years old. And the concepts that are there is they share a meal. Every day they share meals. They eat the blue zone way. They don't diet. They don't go to Planet Fitness to work out every day. Like it's just integrated into the lifestyle. So I'm excited for that trip that's coming up. And uh, I think those are the two big things on my plate right now that I'm looking Wicked. forward to. I love, I love that blue zone because um, that was in uh, the book Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. I think it was the first chapter of that book where he was investigated, you know, these you know, where people were living. So, and they were having, you know, olive oil and wine and just like living life. But it was all based on community and building that and you know what we started with the show with that that you are you're really driving that forward you know on your own personal level your own personal mission it sounds yeah. so incredible there sounds so many positives coming up sure i'm, I'm excited thank for your journey you, thank you Pleasure. And, 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 and follow me yes. my full name at nairi dardarian on instagram twitter linkedin so it's just always my full name, Nairi Dardarian. Yeah. And I'll, I'll put this all in the show notes. So there'll be all links to this as well. So um, Dr. Nairi Dardarian, thank you so much for your time today. I look forward to doing some more work with you in the future. I know there's something we might be doing a masterclass, fingers crossed. So hopefully I can we pick you up on that. To. We are, yes. I'd love to do that. But listen, have a fantastic rest of your day. And I look forward to thank putting you. this out. And hopefully the listeners have enjoyed this. Thank you. Thanks so much.